Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to to uh, uh, the book of Matt, uh, the book of Luke, if you would, chapter number ten, Luke chapter ten. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my from my heart, because uh, I'm concerned about what I'm seeing in, in some churches, and I'm concerned about what I'm seeing happening in in a lot of Christian homes. Uh, I've done more counseling this last year than I've done, and I can remember when. Uh, it just seems like the old devil's having a heyday, and he's having a heyday not just for the unsaved world, but he's already got them. But he's having a heyday among God's people, and uh, we're seeing more we're we're seeing more churches closing, we're seeing more Christians falling, we're seeing more pastors falling, more missionaries falling than I ever remember in my 53 years of preaching the Word of God, and uh, I think somebody needs to to give a clarion call to wake up about what's going on in this world. Uh, there's a lot of advancement in science and technology, and I'm for those things. But with that advancement, there also comes challenges to realize something good that can be used by God can be turned around and used for bad by the devil himself. And he's doing that. Uh, did you know in, the, in, in North America... This is not my statistics, it's the statistics of those that do a lot of counseling. They say that over 60% of the divorces that take place in North America, that's, that's the United States, that's Canada, that includes uh, even Mexico, I suppose. But they tell me that 60% of all the divorces that take place in our countries is a direct result can be traced back to Facebook. I'm not against it, but I, I, I think somebody needs to get, get the word out. We need to be careful what we're doing on the Internet. The Internet can be used of God, but it also can be and is being used greatly by the devil himself. Just this past year, I've had, uh, in fact, just this last couple of weeks, I've had to deal with a situation, direct result of the Internet, missionary doing things over the Internet that he shouldn't have been doing. It all starts out with a little flirtation, but it ends up in a missionary losing everything he had. And the people in that ministry are hurt very bad. We need to be careful. And tonight I want to share something with you that God used in my heart and life back in 1980, in the beginning of the 1980s, that caused me to resign what was West Virginia's largest Baptist church at the time and doing what I'm doing now. Because I really believe that we need to get back to what the Bible says is the purpose of the church and the purpose of our life again, living for Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 10, and I'll begin reading in verse 25. If you want to stand and stretch a little bit, I, it might help a little bit too, but I do that in respect for the Word of God. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, it says this, And behold, a certain... Lawyers stood up and tempted him, tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What's written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou shalt answer right. This do, and thou shalt live. I'm going to just pause there for just a minute. And then we'll take it up from there as I begin preaching. But let's bow our heads and hearts in a moment of prayer. Father, thank you now for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for 
Mississauga International Baptist Church. Thank you for the way that they've loved us over the years and prayed for us and given to allow us to do the work that you've called us to do. I pray tonight for Brother Mark and, and uh, Sister Michelle and, and their family. Lord, you'll build a hedge around about them and protect them. Lord, supply their every need. And, and Lord, I just pray that you'll use them greatly here in this ministry to lead this ministry in the way it would go to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give Brother Mark wisdom far beyond his years and to be able to make the right decisions and lead the people in, in, in following you. And then I pray for Brother and Sister Teese and their family, Lord, to transition. I know it's, it's a different type of ministry. It's, a, it's one that's going to depend on churches like this to pray and support them as they do the work of God. And Lord, I just pray that you use them to help uh, get the need out of reaching Canada and uh, people in Canada with the gospel of Jesus Christ and also the world. And I pray for this church in particular that you'll meet their every need. And Lord, just uh, use them greatly. And we thank you for them, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The Lord Jesus Christ is preaching and teaching the Word of God. And as He's teaching here, like He did while I was talking about this morning, a certain lawyer stood up. And he tempted him, saying, what did he do? He tempted the Lord Jesus. And he asked him a question. He said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's an honest question. If he was honest in his question, that had been one thing. But he was tempting or testing Jesus, trying to trying to find where Jesus would, would uh, misinterpret the law and find some fault in his teaching. But Jesus, being the Master Counselor, he said unto him, What's written in the law, how, uh, how readest thou? And the lawyer said, and he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor himself. Uh, but, uh, but then Jesus said something unusual here. Look what it says in verse number 28. Uh, and um, he said, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I was born and raised in West Virginia. That's that hillbilly state down in the States. Amen. And I was always taught to take the Bible's face value. And I personally believe the only way a person can go to heaven is by knowing Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But here he did answer right. Because honestly, the only way we can love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and neighbors ourselves is we know Christ as Savior. Any other type of love is a false kind of love. Any other type of love will not get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ can get you in heaven. And so now Jesus Christ, being the master counselor, gave us what we call the parable of the Good Samaritan to answer the question, and who is my neighbor? What a question. Who is my neighbor? What's my responsibility to all those that live around about us? What's my responsibility to, to the seven and a half billion people now that literally live on the face of this earth. What's my responsibility unto them? And so now Jesus gives us what's been commonly called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I just want to go through verse by verse and share some things with you. The first thing I want you to notice is this, the predictability of sin. Sin is very predictable. Say that with me a minute. Sin is very predictable. I sat down there this evening and I looked at your choir. And you realize how young most of that choir looks? And to me, anybody anymore, everybody looks young to me anymore. 
But I, I was watching the choir, and I'm looking out here, I see all these young people and young adults. I want you to understand something, folks. Sin is very predictable. You say, what do you mean by that? Okay, look at the next verse. Verse 30. Jesus answering said unto him, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Here is a man that was following the things of the, uh, of the world. And the very first thing that happened to him was this. He fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and left him half dead. Now, folks, listen to me very carefully. That's exactly what the world will do to you. There's not a person in this room, including this preacher, including Brother Mark, there's not a person in this room that we, uh, that we're, we're not in the devil's aim and we're, that we're not susceptible to the devil's lies because of this world. You'd be amazed how many churches I preach in and in and, and Christian schools and all the rest. And young people come up to me and say, Brother Birch, he said, uh, they say something like, I feel like I've missed out on something. I, I got saved at an early age. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. I, I've been in church all my life. And I just feel like there's something out there in the world I've missed out on. And so many times we're seeing people that get saved, start out for God, and all of a sudden the devil will give just a little sample of something and it tastes good. I want you to understand something about sin. Sin will taste good and look good in the beginning. But the end result is always the same. Sin will lead you on a, on a spiral down until you, this world grabs a hold of you and you'll be left in a gutter bleeding, crying out for help. And we see it happening all the time. My wife will tell you the, the, the last about a month now, five weeks, something like that, has been some of the most hard, hardest things I've ever had to deal with. Missionaries have been on the field 20-some years, and all of a sudden their ministry is wrecked now. It did not start with, with gross sin. It starts with a little flirtation. It starts with a little typing on, 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 on Facebook or something, or a private text to somebody you ought not be saying things to. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and won't be long. And here's somebody down in the gutter, bleeding, crying out for help. I see it happening all the time. And, you know, when you read the, when you read the book of Revelation, there's seven churches there mentioned in the book of Revelation. All of them were literal churches, number one. But I think also in each of them you can find something how the devil found something, a weakness in that church, and they begin to uh, drift away from God. Now we're in the last era called the Laodicean era, the last church mentioned there in those seven churches. What's the, what, what are they guilty of? They're guilty of being what? Lukewarm. But you remember in the preceding ones, they talked about taking the candlestick out of the middle of the church and moving it out away from the centerpiece of the church. That candlestick it's talking about there is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And they took Christ out of the church. And now you come over to Revelation and the Laodicean church, and where is Christ now? 
knocking on the door of the church, wanting to get back in. What happened? They opened up the doors of the church, and with good intentions, they said, we want to win the world. In order to win the world, we're going to look like them, we're going to act like them, we're going to listen to what they listen to, we're going to go where they go, and we're going to befriend the world, and that, because of that friendship, will get them into our church, and we'll see them saved. But what happened? The reverse took place. Instead of bringing them into the church, the church went out in the world. And now Christ is knocking on the door of the church, wanting to get back in. Sin always has the same result. There's not a drug addict ever starting out, ever started out to be a drug addict. It started out with just a little high. There's never been a drunkard ever started out to become a drunkard. It always started with a little drink. There's never been somebody going off into sexual sins with well, going off deep in the beginning. It always starts out with a flirtation. I want you to understand something, young people and adults too. This world is not our friend. It's got one purpose in life, and that's to bring you down to where they are, to destroy your life, that you'll not be used of God to be the influence in seeing other people come to know Christ as personal Savior. And so here, sin's very predictable. The fellow didn't start out going this way, but now he fell among thieves, and that's exactly what the world is. It'll take everything that's good and wholesome and decent from you, and after it's finished with you, it'll be left, you'll be left bleeding and crying out for help. I've, I've preached in rescue missions, many of them in my lifetime. And you know, I've even found preachers in rescue missions. Everything. Lost everything. Uh, I can go back over the missionaries that have been with us. Not counting the missionaries, the hundreds that I know from other boards and all the rest. And I, can, I do not have enough fingers on my hands, enough toes on my feet, and maybe hairs on my head now to tell you how many are not serving God any longer. It always starts out with making sin attractive. Satan always puts his enjoyment up front, but the end result is always the same. And I'm just telling you, as your friend, I think I can speak because I have years at this thing now. Be careful what you do on the Internet. The Internet can be used of the devil to absolutely destroy you. If you have Facebook, it ought to be in your name and your wife's name. If your children have it, it will be in the parents' name and the kids have it. Uh, uh, and we need to be careful because the devil can use that to absolutely destroy what's going on in people's lives today for the cause of Christ. I normally, I asked Alice, I normally don't say this, but I see it happening more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Churches I used to preach in. Some running over a thousand, one running sixty five hundred is no longer in existence today. Bible colleges are closing down. Churches are folding. I, I can remember Brother Mark uh, is okay I'm having a little hard time walking, but I'll get over here. I can remember when we first started coming up to Canada. Remember how the church planting was booming? I mean it was going this way. But in the last five to eight, maybe ten years, it started going this way. There's literally church after church after church here in Canada 
That's not me telling you. This is what preachers have told me. They don't have pastors right now. In the United States alone, out west, I'm told it's over 200 independent Baptist churches without a pastor today. There's hardly a couple weeks will go by, may go by. But every other week or so, we'll get a call. Brother Birds, do you have somebody come in and fill in our church? We need a missionary pastor. Our church is down to almost nothing now. We need, we need help. We need help. We need help. It all starts out when we get our eyes off of Jesus Christ and get to, get our eyes on the things of this world. Sin is very predictable. But then notice in verse 31 and 32 here. Notice the patterns of religion law. I hit this this morning. So I'm not going to deal with it much tonight. Verse 31 says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he, he passed by on the other side. Man, I can see this priest now. He probably backed into his, his clothes backwards and got his, uh, all the religious garb on. He probably has uh, his entourage with him, and he's walking by. He looks down. He sees this guy bleeding and dying down there in the ditch. What's he do? He passed by on the other side. You say, Brother Birds, why did you do that? Because religion without Christ can't help anybody. We, his need was Jesus Christ. And the priest didn't have what he needed. But then uh, the next verse talks about, uh, it says, but a certain, uh, 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 let's see, verse, and likewise a Levite, that's a keeper of the law, uh, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by the other side. Here was a legalistic man, a keeper of the law. Certainly if anybody would help, it ought to be him. But listen, he couldn't help either because the law cannot save anyone. Uh, I run into this crowd all the time and say, well, Brother Burge, uh, we need to keep the Old Testament law. Well, the law was a schoolmaster would come and take you by the hand and introduce you to Jesus Christ. Christ was the fulfillment of the law. And we need to get our eyes again on the one that can do in our life what he wants to do. But then notice in verse 33, the passion of this Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, I don't know who this Samaritan was. I think it was the Lord Jesus Christ. If it wasn't Christ, it was one a whole lot like Christ. But here's the difference. The Levite came, passed by on the other side. The priest came and passed by the other side. But the Bible says, when the Samaritan came, he looked on him, he saw the need, and he went down and met his need right where he was. There's a difference. If we're going to be used of God, we've got to go where people are and reach them right where they are with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I guess you found out now you can have a nice building. Put out a sign say, y'all come. I guess that's understood up here. Put out a sign say, y'all come. And guess what? They're still not going to come. We've got to go get them. And that's the reason it's wonderful to be able to be in a neighborhood where you can go out and you can invite people to come to church and you can tell Christ, tell them about Jesus Christ in their own home, in their own environment, because we need to have a passion of brokenness about seeing the need of people. Listen. The need that people have is Jesus Christ. If it's not, then we might as well pack it in. We have, we have a purpose in life. And the purpose of the church is explained to us in verse 34. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. Seven things in that verse literally, I think, tells us the purpose of the church. 
Brother Mark, you want a good outline to, to, to do a, to lead your church in the way the Bible says it ought to go? Here's a good outline. Look what it says. First of all, he went to him. The purpose of the church is go to the people. Go and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd be lost in sin today if somebody had not come and knocked on my parents' door and invited them to come and invited us to come uh, uh, to church with them. So, number one, he went to him. Then he bound up his wounds. I hold in my hand the only thing powerful enough to bind up the wounds that's caused by sin. It's called the Word of God. The last church I pastored was, it became West Virginia's largest Baptist church. But the Sunday I became pastor, uh, we worked hard with, uh, out, out that week to try to get people saved and have a bunch of people lined up to be baptized. And when I gave the invitation, I saw people walk forward that, that was invited to church and some came to get, uh, actually walk forward to get saved. And I saw some people come and, and nobody had a Bible. They came, they put their arm around, weeping, crying. And I heard one person giving a testimony and all this kind of stuff. And Sunday night, you can ask my wife, Sunday night, I came to the church. I was, that was my first Sunday there. And I saw, I said, I saw two things will never happen again as long as I'm pastor of the church. They ran buses, they brought little girls in that maybe did not have a dress on. They took them in a private room, changed their clothes. I said, that'll never happen again. I, I, man, people got to get saved and then be taught right. Amen. And I said, the second thing I saw this morning was this. I saw people come and pray with people that needed to come before to be saved. But I didn't see anybody that had the Bible open to show them how to be saved. Listen, my testimony cannot save anybody. Brother Mark's testimony can't save anybody. What I think can't save anybody. But only this Word of God is the thing that will bind up wounds because of sin. Never neglect the use of the Word of God when it comes to leading people to Jesus Christ. It's the Word of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so, so he bound up his wounds. He poured in oil wine. Oil is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit of God. Wine's a symbol of the new birth. That's the man's greatest need is to be born again and receive the Holy Spirit of God. But then he set him on his own beast. Now that tells me something. It's not enough. Just to go out and lead somebody to Jesus Christ. You say, what do we need to do more? The Great Commission is what? Win them, baptize them, teach them. It's called discipleship. It's to get people to come and and grow in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a fellow. He had oil and wine poured on him, but he didn't have still too much strength. And so that fellow reached down, picked him up, put him on his beast and took him to the inn and the inn could represent the local church. Why? Because he needed to have somebody care for him after he was reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the reason it's important. Not only to lead people to Christ, but to get them in and disciple them and get them under the preaching of the Word of God. Because that's how people grow in the things of the Lord. I, I've watched, I watched Brother Alcock, for example, since he was a college student. And I've seen him grow in the, more than one way. But I've seen him grow uh, in the things of the Lord, spiritually speaking also. Amen. 
and, and, and uh, it's a blessing to, to an old preacher like me to watch watch their family grow. And I've seen the uh, the teaching kids grow up and go off to college, and still some here, amen, and see what God's doing. I've seen this church grow over the years. Why? Because you're not only you're not only leading people to the Lord, you also see the need of getting them in and teaching the Word of God so that they can grow, and together you can grow in the things of the Lord. So we see the purpose of the church. But then look at verse number 35 for a minute. I want all of you, this is not for you. The first part is just for the pastor. Can I preach to you, pastor, just a minute? I'm going to. Amen. Mark, Brother Mark, you listen carefully to me now. Look at verse 35. Um, uh, uh, verse 35, it said, On the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to the host and said, Take care of him. Now, wait a minute. The inn could represent the local church. The innkeeper could be the pastor of the church. Now, you know what this tells me? This tells me that, number one, your pastor is not a hireling. It's not somebody you hire to do the work of the pastor. He's called of God. And this tells me something, that God's going to do something. Brother Mark, he said to the innkeeper, he said, I'm going to go away. He said, before I go away, though, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two pence. This will be everything you need to care for those that God puts under your flock. And that's a wonderful blessing to me. To realize as I walk in the will of God, as He walks in the will of God, God will give us everything we need to care for those that He allows us the honor of ministering to. He said, I'm going to go away though. But, uh, so, I'm going to go away. But here's what you need to care for them. But then there's something else here again. Look at the, look what it says in the latter part of verse 35. I call this the potential reward. Verse 35 says, He said, I'm going to go away. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Wow. Hey, folks, the good Samaritan's gone. He's given us everything he needs to care for the ministry here while we're here on this earth. But if we do have to spend more, if we do have to give to that, give that faith promise, if we do have to sacrifice and give to help missionaries go out and reach people with the gospel of Christ, he says, when I come again, I will repay thee. There's something in the Bible called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's the payday for our faithful service in the work of God. As Christians, thank God we'll not have to, we'll we'll not be at the judgment seat of Christ. But thank God there is a judgment coming that He will reward us according to our faithfulness and give back to us exactly what we needed and what we spent out. And all the sacrifice all the giving, all the time, all the effort. He says, I will reward you. I don't know what it is about getting older. But the, more, the older I get, the closer I want to be to Jesus Christ. You know, I've got one desire in this life. One day, to be able to stand and see Him face to face. And just to hear Him say, well done. Our good and faithful servant. It'll make it worth it all to realize that we can do something for God that will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Then lastly, and I'm finished. Now I see the potential reward for those 
that are being used of God. But notice the positive command that he gives here. Verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to the host and said, Take care of him. Uh, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now he asks this question. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? We know it wasn't a priest. We know it wasn't a Levite. Who was it? It was a good Samaritan. But notice what Jesus says here. And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, Go and do thou likewise. Wow. What do we do? We're to go and show mercy on those out in this world that need Jesus Christ as personal Savior. There's a world out there that needs you. They might not want what we have, but they need what we have to offer. It's not our life. It's not our testimony. It's the Word of God. And the truth of the matter is, if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. Canada's in great need. The United States is in great need. The world's in great need. Missionary recruitment is down. Bible colleges, if one or two percent of their graduates go off into missionary work, that's a lot today. We're just not seeing those being raised up to take some of our, the places of those that have gone before us. What's going to, what's it going to take for God's people to wake up and realize that we're in a battle? That battle's a hard battle. It'll not be easy. But somebody can be raised up that loves God, that'll stay true to the Word of God and keep on going till Jesus comes. My prayer is that God will have His hand over your church, have His hand over the ministry here, and God will use you to see many of you, see your loved ones come to know Christ as personal Savior. Hey, if God can save miserable wretches like us, He can save anybody. Never forget that. Never forget what we were. And all we are now is a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God. And that's what God wants to do in our lives, to see people come to know Christ as personal Savior. This morning I asked you a question. How many of you have some relatives and friends you'd like to see saved? Most of you raised your hand. Here's a hard question. If they would die right now, where would they go? Can you say it? If your unsaved loved ones would die right now, where would they go? You know who they are? That's those people down the ditch crying out for help. Would you be willing to let God use you to be that good Samaritan and go down and reach them? Whatever it takes to see him come to know Christ as personal Savior.